everyone. Welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast, where mistakes are welcome, nothing is off limits, and growth is inevitable. I am Sharissa Wood. I'm Brittany Simon. And we are putting our brains together to bring you the tools you need to elevate your hygiene practice, build amazing team culture, and provide patients with the very best care. Our mission is to help empower and equip every hygienist to practice purposeful, profitable hygiene. We look to guide you on your journey towards career fulfillment by providing support, collaboration, and community to our profession. As two of the top producing hygienists in the country, we know firsthand that these things lead to sustainable and fulfilling practice and the happy side effect of high profitability. So let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode of the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. Uh, Sharissa and I are really excited about the topic for this week because it came from um, our mighty network uh, as a request for a specific topic. So thank you so much. I'm not sure who submitted this one, um, but today we will be talking about uh, breaking down competencies for new hires and getting the most out of your team. So this is going to be like most topics, like a multifaceted, multi-layered cake type of thing. Um, but I'm, we're, we're making some assumptions here. And I think that what this person was requesting saying, you know, how to get the most out of your team. I'm, I'm assuming what you mean is, you know, performance wise, willingness to adopt culture and protocols, et cetera, and to be fully in and fully engaged, which is what we all want of our teams, right? So Sharissa is going to actually just kind of describe and give us some insight about her current situation at Atlanta Dental Spa. And then I'm going to kind of dive into how it has worked best at the Spodak Dental Group to kind of get people to be all in and to get people to engage and really buy into the culture and the processes and the protocols. So Sharissa, you want to take it away? So I just think that there's a lot of community when we can be really open and authentic and honest. And you know, when we talk about these things, you know, I never want our listeners to think, oh yeah, Brittany and Teresa, they got it all figured out. Everything's perfect in their world. Cause it's certainly not. And this particular topic hit me because right now in my current location in our practice, we are um, understaffed. We had a, an overflow assistant that actually left us. She's going back to school. So it's very exciting for her, mm-hmm. sad for us. And then we had another um, assistant slash admin team member. Um, she was kind of helping in both arenas because she is expecting her baby, her second baby. And, um, you know, she was slowing down a little bit because of that. So she was kind of jumping between helping in a lot of arenas and was a great help. And she is now out and having her baby. So we are understaffed and we're feeling it. And, you know, sometimes I'm sure no one else can relate to this. Ha ha. But sometimes <laughs> when, when you are understaffed and there's a lot of responsibilities and a lot that needs to be done it gets easy to get kind of negative about things. Mm -hmm. And I'm just watching in my own practice right now, we've had some issues. We've had some communication breakdowns. There's been kind of this, uh, almost like that's not my job mentality that I see coming out. There's almost like this tit for tat, like, you know, one assistant says the other, well, I've, you know, I've run the audio autoclave three times today. Have you touched it? And there's just kind of like this, you know, this underlying resentment unrest going on. And you know, typically we don't have that, but because we're all really stretched and stressed right now, it, I'm seeing that kind of come to pass mm-hmm. and, um, we're, we're figuring out some great ways to deal with it. We are 
managing it and it does seem to be improving. And we're going to, that's obviously what we're going to be talking about today. But I just, I wanted to kind of share that at the beginning because I feel like I want, I want our listeners to know that this is something that we deal with on the daily as well. So, you know, we're not just speaking from our, our place of, oh yeah, we got it all together. This works perfectly every time. Like I'm, I'm in the trenches too. So I think I'm looking forward to this topic today because it will be a good reminder to me and maybe just a little more, more of a refocus Mm -hmm. because obviously I want to go in and every day and work with the best version of our team and feel supported and be able to function you know, as well as possible and have our, know that our patients are getting the best care. So that's where this is all coming from for me today. Well, that's great. And thank you for the transparency and authenticity. I know that you share all of this stuff with me and I share it all with you, but it is kind of nice to be open and let it be known, you know, to, to all the listeners and across the board, because this, it is a common problem, you know, and I think that the most important thing to remember is we're all just doing the best we can with what we have. And so many times, and and we'll talk about this a little bit more later on, but like so many times in my experience as a hygiene lead, we've, you know, hired or, or been in a position where we are trying to fill a void or trying to, um, uh, you know, fill a hole instead of like expanding and growing and building. So it's more of like an emergency situation. So I'll kind of give like some insight from a more ideal um, aspect like, okay, we're, we're actually just looking to grow. Everything's going pretty well and we have some room for expansion um, versus, yeah, we're in an emergency situation and we need to like, you know, get, get going, like pedal to the metal kind of thing to get someone hired and get in here and, and um, take care of patients kind of thing. So we'll look at that a little more closely later on, but super, super common, especially in the age of COVID, right? For sure. So of course, as usual, I'm about to share the things that very few people want to hear and accept about getting the most out of your team. Um, And I say that because, you know, it comes back to how well we're functioning in our role as leaders and how well we actually connect to our people on a really basic level. And I will say that with the disclaimer of, you know, the people that we hire are adults, they have choices to make, they have their own sets of values and biases and history and all the things, you know, so we can be doing a a great and thorough job as leaders and still have someone who maybe isn't a fit for our team, or have something that isn't going smoothly or be troubleshooting something that is all normal, all a part of life, all a part of leadership. So I just want to throw that out there, just because something isn't going perfectly or well or as smoothly as you thought it would or hoped it would doesn't mean that you're failing as a leader, okay? What I mean is um, that, you know, how we function as leaders and how prepared we are behind the scenes will absolutely impact how smoothly onboarding new team members, um, training new team members goes. So uh, I'm going to give kind of like some basic things that I've learned along the way that I think are foundational for making sure that as we are leading others to kind of like take on responsibilities and buy into our practice protocols and all all the things, um, the things that have worked the best for me. So the first and most basic thing is making sure that we're leading by example. And, you know, once again, the do as I say, not as I do mantra is complete bullshit. Um, To get the most out of your team, the team has to know that you're fully in. They have to know that I'm fully in, that Charissa is fully in. So you know where you're going as a practice. You believe in your mission and the goals that you're trying to achieve. They can see very clearly that you're committed to what you're asking them to put their effort and energy into, right? So if I'm half-assing it and I'm not doing what I said I was going to do and I'm not showing that I really believe and have bought into our 
practice culture and ideals and our vision and mission, they're not going to either. They don't believe it's even a real thing. Why would they? They're, if they're looking at me do something, you know, halfway, like I'm not showing them that, that this is worth buying into, you know, and to a certain extent, if you're doing the hiring or the training there, the, the new hire is trusting you, like not just to train them, but to see kind of like, where do you stand in this whole thing? You know, like, like how important is this? How real is what you're telling me? You know, like how, how actual is, is, is this, this whole thing, the culture, the the practice, all the things, you know? Well, and I think you gotta be, I'm not willing to ask someone else to do something that I'm not willing to do. Mm-hmm. It's gotta be that mentality. And mm-hmm. I can speak to this right now. You just mentioned, I'm currently training a new hygienist in with me at, at my location. And so, you know, as I'm talking to her about all the steps that need to happen and the verbiage we need to use and, you know, all of that, she's watching me do it because Mm -hmm. it would be really nonsensical for me to say, oh, well, you know, you need to do this, this, and this, but she's watching me in my day and that's not happening. So we've got, we have to be just as accountable as we're asking the people around us to be. Right. Yeah. And then I think another thing, and you mentioned it, but I want to dig in just a little bit deeper is that we are all really rallied around our team mission and vision Mm -hmm. that we are all in it to win it. And, you know, there's so much crossover for each position on the team. um, And that some, sometimes we're doing things that aren't, that we're not really the best at, or that we're really geared toward. I mean, honestly, it's funny. We just had our hygiene team meeting last week and we were talking about how the reality is for us in our practice, we actually do a lot of admin stuff too. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. there's a lot of admin we're doing between, you know, um, you know, figuring out walkouts, you know, and what insurance covers and collecting that and posting that payment and, you know, managing referrals and sending off, you know, letters to other referring doctors, you know, all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of admin that you don't necessarily realize when you're in hygiene school that you're going to end up doing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, you kind of catch yourself thinking, well, gosh, I signed up to be a hygienist. I didn't sign up for all this superfluous admin stuff. But the reality is that's what it takes to make the practice run and to make sure the patients are getting the best care they need. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, and and this happens across the board, right? Because I I watch sometimes our um, appointment coordinator, who really is true admin, sometimes has to step into the clinical side of things. And she might be helping seat a patient or she might be helping, you know, find a case or, you know, there's things she's doing that aren't necessarily what she signed up for either. And I think that happens in all arenas, Mm -hmm. in all positions. We're all doing things that are outside of, you know, just our, our lane. And I think that has to happen to be effective. Um, And that's why it's so important to be mentally around the vision and the mission, because it's easy to lapse into that. Well, that's not my job. Well, it is if it's part of the the vision, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. So I think, you know, if your practice doesn't have a really clear mission and vision for what the, what the goals are and what everybody's trying to do and how you want to work and how you want that to look, then sometimes I feel, feel like it is easy to just get lost in. Well, I mean, I'm just here to get a paycheck and I, you know, I've got to do X, Y, and Z. I don't know why you're asking me to do A, B, and C. Yeah. So I think if, if you're listening to this and, and your, your practice isn't really rooted and grounded, that that's the starting point. Hey, Bulletproof Hygiene listeners, we have some big, exciting news. We are proud to announce that our 2022 Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee, June 3rd and 4th. Come join us for a weekend of growth, learning, and collaboration. 
We'll be taking deep dives into team culture, leadership, hygiene systems, and patient care and education that bring fulfillment, career success, and practice profitability. This course has the potential to change the trajectory of your career and help you practice at the top of your game. If you missed us in 2021, trust us, you don't want to miss this. Visit BulletproofSummit.com to get all the details and reserve your spot. We can't wait to see you there. I think another thing is, um, you know, getting the most out of your team means that your team knows exactly what is expected of them. You know, and we talk about this all the time, like setting people up for success and showing them how to win. Uh, and I think it's easy sometimes as leaders to like blame our teams almost for what they're not doing right or not doing at all. But a lot of it just boils down to, you know, poor communication or lack of clarity and calibration, either on our part, or maybe we have clarity and we know what we want to implement. We just haven't shared the information yet, you know? Right. So I hate to say it because I guarantee it isn't what anyone wanted to hear, or maybe what they thought they'd be hearing when you asked us to elaborate on how to get your people to comply, but people need the protocols. They need clear, consistent, calibrated information and steps to set them up for success. So this isn't like the woo-woo, you know, sit around in a circle and hold hands and sing kumbaya kind of thing. It's like, all right, yeah, now you actually got to like put in work and, and do some things on paper, like the not fun things that makes your work life a lot more fun and a lot more enjoyable for everyone. So of course, back to the SOP. <laughs> so, yes. so one of the main things is standard operating procedures. And of course, I'm you know obsessed with the SOP because I've seen like a real change in how people adapt and are willing to comply and things since we have clear cut communication and clear cut um, expectations on paper for everyone. And we kind of revisit them constantly as a team. Um, and I've seen performance kind of like follow those expectations really closely. So, so knowing what your standard operating procedures are, having them uh, written down and shared and kind of reviewed periodically is, is a really important thing. Another thing is having, you know, team meetings to hammer out problems as they arise. This can also be done in morning huddles, depending on what that looks like for you and how much time you have. But I know that for my team, when we had a lot of departmental transitions and we were hiring, you know, a lot of new hygienists, people were leaving. We had some kind of like, uh, I don't want to say mass exodus, but there were like some part-time people who weren't a good fit. We kind of had like different leadership and things were, it, it was a huge transitional period for us. We had team meetings after hours about every six weeks, you know, in that transitional period. And it was a lot to ask of my team, but I think that on the other side of it, I think that everyone would agree like, yeah, it was really necessary and important. And now our team meetings happen about once every three to four months. We have them, you know, a few times a year, but there's not as much to hammer out anymore. Right. You know, and that timeline can be adjusted as needed. Right. And I think, your point about the morning huddles, that's something because sometimes if we like say your next meeting is three months away, but you've got an issue now, mm-hmm. like don't just sit on that and hold that because that will bring more resentment and that's more a good issues. Point. That's a very like, good point. Yeah. That's when you could at your morning huddle. And I've done this several times, you know, I've said, Hey guys. Um, and, and I actually said this when, when our, you know, things were feeling a little stressful and I said, Hey guys, you know, I realize things are really stressful and tight right now. We're down two people. And, mm-hmm. and that's a big deficit when you're used to running that way. Right. So we're all going to have to pull our weight a little more. We can't be ticky tack over who's doing what, like if you see it, you got to do it. You know, we're a strong team and we are capable of this and we are looking to hire and we're going to find, you know, somebody to come in, like it's all going to work out. But until then, 
we got each other, we have to have each other's backs. And it, it almost just that conversation was enough of a rally to be like, okay, yeah, yeah, we can do this. And actually one of our assistants came up with a schedule um, for, you know, manning sterilization and laundry and all the different things. We make our own distilled water, you know, all these things Mm -hmm. so that now, even though we're a smaller team right now, we've got kind of a checkoff and everybody's looking and everybody's thinking and it, and it kind of took the emotion out of it of like, okay. And it almost created something for us to rally around. And that just came from a quick morning huddle conversation. So, you know, that's another thing, you know, build a little time in if you need it, or maybe even go to your docs or your admin and say, Hey, I've got some issues can I have a few minutes in the morning meeting or can you help me brainstorm? Can we talk about this in the morning meeting? Just because you don't want to sit on something for a long time. That's a really good point. And I think some of the things to consider with that too, are like, how urgent is this? Like, is this really something that's going to affect us in the short term if, if I don't speak up about it now? And that's a lot of things in dentistry, you know? Right. And right. also the, the other question that I would ask is, is this a specific person problem or is this a department problem or is it an office problem? Because then you know who your audience is, right? So right. if it's like, oh, just one person is messing up in this aspect or like you need, they need specific guidance, clearly go to that person. This isn't, that, right. that's not a topic for an agenda in a meeting or a huddle right. or, you know, you can have a conversation with that person, Correct. For just, you know, 15 minutes or something to do that. Um, but if, if not, I mean, it can also go out in an email, it can also go out in a Facebook group page or, you know, there's a lot of different ways to get the information out. And then a lot of times those things are good conversation starters. And then if nothing else, if it's still difficult by the time your meeting comes around, like circle back to it, put it on the right. agenda, you know, yep. like clean it up a little bit. Yep. That's a really good point. I don't sit on it just to wait to the, to the meeting. Um, of course, another thing is, you know, having checks and balances such as quarterly reviews or monthly reviews as Teresa does, or at least she sends out um, numbers for her team, right? Monthly, mm-hmm. you do that? Yeah. I do that quarterly, yes. Oh, monthly, quarterly. yes. I do send yeah. the monthly tracking numbers. Yep. yep. That's what I thought. Okay, yeah. So you can do it monthly, you can do it quarterly, you can do it every six months, I guess, if that's kind of what works for you. I've, I like quarterly for my office because um, I meet with them one-on-one. It's uh, nine of us, so I'm sitting down with eight you know, separate hygienists at eight o'clock in the morning and kind of, we have an hour of devoted time to review numbers and specific things and review their commitments from the beginning of the year. Um, But it feels good in that situation. Like if no one is checking their progress, that's one less reason for them to strive to do more, you know, and one less reason for them to keep their commitments. And it feels good to have someone's undivided attention and know what's going well and what isn't on paper and having it on paper and having numbers um, takes all the bias and emotion out of performance reviews and allows it to be basically purely data driven, you know? So that's what I, I love so much about reviews too, is because I'm like, this isn't a personal thing at all. Like I look at my own numbers the same way, like very objectively, like, huh, I didn't do a lot of that the last few months. I wonder why and just get curious about it and kind of like, huh, I wonder why I was so successful in this other area and then pick people's brains, you know, like, Hey, how are you so successful here? How are you doing so well? And, and kind of go from there. Yeah. And I wanted to bring up, we had just started something um, mid-year of last year. We started using um, a service called Office Vibe, mm-hmm. and it allows our um, admin to do anonymous surveys. And it's been really beneficial. Um, you know, they'll send out, typically we get a survey about once a month and it, you know, it's about different things, um, how the office is running, if we feel supported, you know, all kinds of things, but it's a really cool way because all the answers are anonymous that come back Mm -hmm. and you're able to like really get kind of a, a vibe of what's going on in the office and how people are feeling and, and, you know, ideas for how things could be different. So I just wanted to throw that out there as a, a cool tool and resource 
that seems to be helping us a good bit. So if, you know, if, if you've got a team that isn't super comfortable, you know, sharing, you know, how they're feeling about things, this, that's, that can be a cool way to do it. That's a cool, that's a really great tool. I, I love that it's called Office Vibe. Yep. It's great. Yep. Um, you know, another thing that really gets people to kind of buy in to what you're trying to do, your purpose and your vision and mission and all that is maintaining transparency and honesty above pretty much anything else. And one thing that I know I've struggled with as a leader is sometimes it's hard to, you know, come to terms with the fact that being in this position will mean that I have to deliver bad news. Um, and definitely there will be times when, you know, people receiving bad news or aren't getting the news that they had hoped for makes it so that maybe it, it feels personal to them and maybe I'm not liked by everyone all the time. But I think that what's important to remember about that is it's true in any position, right? So no one is liked by everyone. You know, you can't read anyone's mind. You don't really know. We don't have control over that. All we can do is be our most transparent, authentic selves. And then like, you know, that law of the universe, like the people who are for us kind of naturally gravitate to us and people who aren't kind of gravitate away and that's all good. I think anytime that, um, you know, we are in a position where, there's leadership or you're in the spotlight a lot more, there's a lot more room for people to kind of criticize what we're doing, you know? Um, yeah. And, and that's okay. And, and it's something that I've learned is just like a part of the leadership. It's not that you're doing a bad job or that, you know, you're a bad person or anything like it, it may be an area where you could do better or I could do better, you know, but we can look at it like a tool and we can kind of let go of like needing to be liked. So um. So honesty and transparency, I think, supersedes pretty much everything else. For example, kind of kindly making sure everyone is following protocols, like taking post-op x-rays, if that's your protocol, after NSBT, or comp perio charting once per year, which is across the board, the AAP's protocol, you know, uh, doing, doing what people as individuals, doing what they said that they would do, like saying things like, no, that wasn't what I would prefer, or yes, you should do it differently next time, and here is specifically how you know, giving people insight like that, because people do ask, you know, my team asks for feedback sometimes, and sometimes just in regards to treatment planning. And there have been a few times when, you know, they've come to me after the fact and said, huh, I think this is a situation where I probably should have done NSPT. And you know what, I did a gingivitis debridement because I was a little afraid of what the patient would think, because this was the scenario that I started with. I'd never met the patient before they were receiving bloody prophies is what it seemed like. I didn't want to deliver bad news. And then we have a conversation like, okay, well, let's like, play it out to the end. Like, what if he did educate them? And they said, no, like, what's the worst case scenario? And then what's the best case scenario? And then what do we have an obligation as healthcare professionals to do? And like, that can feel kind of uncomfortable, because I'm not agreeing with what they did. I'm not saying like, oh, yeah, that, it's okay. I'm not trying to make them feel better in that situation. I'm trying to be honest that in the future, they can do what's right for the patient, and they can feel good about what they did as a clinician. You know, but, but you know, what I think is, and it's not, I guess that scenario, whenever it's never easy hearing, Hey, you didn't do the right thing, or, you know, I would have done this, but I think the reality and knowing you as well as I do, and, you know, knowing your team is because you are who you are and you, you don't walk around saying, Hey, I got it all perfect. And I'm right. Every time you have your own times where you're like, Oh, I probably should have done this. Or why didn't I do that? Like, I think that is super important because they know who you are. You're there for, you're there 
to support them to be the best that they can be and for their patients to get the best care they can. And sometimes we don't get it right and that's right. okay. And there's no judgment on that. There's no, so I think, you know, that that's a good point too, as a leader is, you know, you, you can't have that judgmental, I get it right all the time attitude. Cause that's not reality. No one yeah. does. And I think when we can give ourselves that grace and that space to be wrong and to mess up, that's when it's easier to be honest and say, yeah gosh, like I, oh, I should have done this. Okay. Well, cool. Next time let's do that. Like right. this is, it's, it's called practice for a reason. hundred We don't ever get it perfect. We're constantly practicing. It's constantly new. It's constantly different. Every single patient has their own set of, of circumstances and, and host response and comorbidities and lifestyle, you know, like there's no cookie cutter approach to every single thing. So it is a constant learning. Yeah. Totally. Which is, yeah, I think I what makes it fun. Uh, yeah, it's what keeps it interesting for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I certainly hope that my team knows that. And I think yeah. that on the back end, I think that they do, to be honest with you, because there's a lot of like honest conversation that does happen. And I am very transparent on my end of like, huh, I really expected that to come out differently. Like, this is what I would do in the future. And like, I'm very transparent about like, hmm, that wasn't what I expected, or I didn't do as well as I thought I could, or like, I didn't allot enough time for that procedure, or I should have done this instead of that. You know, there's a lot of, of things that we can share and just like put our egos aside and actually learn that makes like work a lot more pleasant, yeah. you know, just to be yeah. around each other kind of thing. So definitely well, it makes you, it makes it feel like you're not tiptoeing around somebody. Yeah. And I think, you, just, you know, what, what we have a tendency to do, I think as really a type like professionals too, is sometimes when someone comes to us vulnerably like that and they're sharing something and they're like uncertain of whether or not they did the right or wrong thing, we insert our judgment, you know, whether, whether we we are judging them directly as we're having this conversation and they sense that, or we go and gossip about them later on, you know, like, Oh, this person, like they didn't do SRP. Can you believe they didn't do? And I've like been, I've heard like things like that happen. Thankfully it, it doesn't really happen anymore on my team. Like I've read a phenomenal team. Everyone has a great attitude. Like I really love my, the women on my, on my team right now. But um, like, I've heard like, can you believe they did this? And I'm like, would you stop? Like you've yeah. done that too. You know, and I look and I'm like, your patient care is not perfect. Like no one's is. Can we just, right. can we just skip that part and not be nasty? But that's one of the reasons why I think we are able to have these conversations is because it doesn't go that way. Anyway, right. I'm not going to go gossip and talk right. to anyone else about their situation. Like right. it's between you, the patient, the practice and me now, cause you're, in, you're making me a part of it, you know? Right. Right. Um, so this is circling back now to kind of what Sharissa mentioned in the beginning. So oftentimes we've hired out of deficit. So meaning we're in a hurry, it's an emergency and we're trying to plug a hole, fill a void and a new hygienist, you know, to our practice gets thrown in to a full schedule with little or no actual training. And I think that a lot of teams can really relate to this, especially with how COVID has impacted our industry and, you know, just the difficulty finding hygienists to hire in general in a lot of areas. Um, while this is common and possible to do, it's really never ideal, right? For someone to just get thrown in and take over the schedule, because then it, there's a lot of frustration there. And that's when things go awry most often. And when it's most difficult, I think, to integrate people. Right. So, um, I mean, obviously there, there is no perfect scenario. Like people leave for many reasons, including, you know, retirement and moving and major life changes, career changes. But the one thing that we do want to try to avoid is losing someone purely because they aren't a good fit for our practice. Um, and, and that involves like hiring really strategically and having kind of strategic hiring protocols and processes in place before you're in a situation where you're desperate. 
you know, so even if it's an expedited fashion or you are trying to replace someone quickly, you're going to save a lot of time and heartache on the back end by doing it right from the beginning. So, I, you know, this podcast isn't specifically about how to hire, but I'll share some some things about how we integrate and train new hygienists and kind of what materials they receive prior to their first day in clinical practice that contributes to how successfully they're onboarded, regardless of how quickly they're, they're needing to be onboarded. Um, so some of the things that they get from me are uh, like a, they, they understand, first of all, that they have a, I don't think it's 30 days, I, I wrote 30 days, but I think it's 90 day trial hire period. So the first three months are kind of probationary where we're kind of interviewing each other in an ongoing fashion. Like, is this really the practice for you? Are you the person for our practice? And if not within this period of time, you know, no hard feelings, like we'll figure it out and then we'll part ways if, if that's necessary, you know? Um, so they get an understanding of like, hey, this is really a trial hire period for the first three months. And then after that, kind of like we've got a little bit more of a committed situation and relationship. And I think that's important too. I'm just going to hop in because we have that same protocol in our practice. Um, you know, it's a, it's a two-way street on that. They're making sure that they feel comfortable with what we're doing and who we are and vice versa. So, you know, that I think that's an important point in that. It's not just the practice making sure they like this person and they feel like they're a good fit, but it's letting this person get to know the practice and, and make sure that they are aligned. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And if not, you want to find that out sooner than later. Right. It's better to have this bandaid ripped off and have to go through the whole process again, like that early on, then like do it a lot later on. It gets just ugly. And there's a lot, there's a lot more feelings, a lot harder to make that transition. So as much as it would stink to hire someone and then have to let them go or figure out that it's not a fit, it's better than the alternative, you know, finding out a lot later on or like going through the pain and the suffering of figuring it out slowly over time and, you know, whatever. Um, the other thing of course that they get is the hygiene SOP. This has become for us really, really robust now. Uh, it's very, it gets just very specific. And I think that we did an entire episode on yes. formulating your SOP. So you can go back and listen um, if you want more information on that, but they receive our full standard operating procedures. They get a SPODAC dental group employee manual and policies procedures. And also this doesn't happen usually before someone starts working, but we try and do a new hire orientation slash culture training slash clinical training day. Um, on a Saturday as needed about, well, I want to say it happens about once a year and I wish that it happened more often, but it is, it's difficult and we want to make sure that we have enough new team members that it's worth our while and we're getting as many people kind of integrated as possible at the same time, because it does involve like coming in on a weekend, you know, we don't close the office. I, and some of the other leads in our practice are, are nice enough to give up their weekend, you know, to come do this for the new, the new hires. But this is really, I think one of the things that solidifies their belief in like our systems and things like, oh, these people are willing to buy in and do this on a weekend. It's a big deal. So that's like a four hour um, training. And it's a, you know, a click presentation. It's a PowerPoint presentation that I give and Erica gives and some of the other leads give. And then also there's an opportunity to do some clinical training and to review the SOP and answer questions for for new hires. Um, Another thing that I interview, I'm sorry, that that I've implemented like kind of on an as needed basis. And it really depends on the new hire and how much guidance they want and need and how much I think they need. You know, um, I try and do a weekly schedule review with new hires to kind of go through each appointment card make sure that the appointment cards are loaded correctly. Look at, you know, what was done at the last visit, kind of buzz through the notes a little bit, uh, familiarize the, the, the new hire with like what's going on and what, 
what the next steps should be. So like if clinical treatment is indicated, you know, oh, they have an outstanding restorative plan. So, you know, this is the discussion that you want to have, or this person is due for x-rays in an exam. And this is what happened at the last visit, just kind of making sure that everything is as simple as possible and like preloaded as possible. So they get the why and they know where they're picking up, you know, that they're picking up where someone, someone else left off and they're understanding it as much as they can. And then if I'm saying that there's a lot of need for a kind of feedback on diagnostics and treatment planning, I will ask for some time to chat with them on the phone or sit with them and look at a computer and look at their treatment plans for the prior week, just to make sure that we're all on the same page in regards to treatment planning and SPT and when a gingivitis debridement is the right thing, when perio maintenance is the right thing and so on and so forth. And then kind of along the way, I just go and pick the doctor's brains about like, hey, how's this person going? Like how, you know, what do you think about the new hire? What do you wish they would do differently? What are they doing really well? And then I kind of give them that feedback as much as I can too. And typically our hiring process includes two clinical working interview days. So by the time they're actually hired, they have an idea of what's expected, right? And they do get the SOP as far in advance as possible. And then before their first date where they're alone clinically, I ask them to come shadow as much as they can, you know, depending on their job situation and whether or not they're transitioning from another practice to our practice, they may have limited availability. You know, maybe they gave their two weeks or four weeks notice to that practice and they're going to practice until the day that they start with our office. In that case, they might not have as much time to come in and shadow and see what the hygienists are doing and get training on insurance and that sort of thing. But I ask them to, as much as possible, they have a day off in the week, come in. Um, we pay them an hourly rate, I think, for the day to come do that. But it's just kind of whatever works for them and for us as, as much as we can, as much time as we can, you know. Um, the admin team is obviously made aware of, of their new hire status. And I kind of remind our admin team of what's expected of new hygienists and some of our scheduling benchmarks, which I'll, I'll review now. Um, I wanted to say something else on this. What was it? It was, oh, okay. So when they come in on those shadowing days, whenever one of our hygienists has a cancellation, I ask them like, hey, and, and our hygienists are so great that they love training new people. They love helping them. They really do like, and I love it because it's not my favorite thing. I don't like getting clinical and hands-on and being like, this is how we take x-rays. And this is like, that's not my favorite thing, but we have some hygienists who love that. So I'm like, Hey, Janet, will you sit down with this person and go through like insurance expectations A to Z and what our breakdown looks like and, and where they can access this part. Um, hey, uh, you know, Jen or Shay, will you go through like how we take radiographs with the nomad and what the protocol is with that and, and so on and so forth, you know, and, and, or, you know, Jess, our hygiene assistant, when you go through a photographic series with this person, blah, blah, blah. And this is all information that they have in the SOP. So they've already read it. I'm just talking about hands-on, right. actually looking at it now, chair side, and actually like doing it themselves, right? It gives them some familiarity. So some of the training timelines and the benchmarks for our hygienists. So for, during the first three months, we give uh, the new hygienist two hours with new patients. And typically an experienced hygienist would have 90 minutes. So what they're shooting for at the end of that first three month period is to be at that 90 minute mark. Uh, recare patients, they have the option to have 70 minutes. And it, that might sound a little bit strange, but in our office there, it, it's not, when I came from my prior office to our office, I was like, what tornado did I just step into? Because there are so many moving parts. There are so many faces, so many names. We've got specialty going on. We're constantly referring for third molars and for endo and for perio. And like, there's so many of these things, just remembering how many doctors and who goes with who. And that it, it's such a, it's a full-time job, you know, the first couple of months, it's like overwhelming. So I give them the option 
some of my hygienists are like, no, I'll, I'll take an hour. That's perfectly fine. Or I can do it in less time. And they're good. Like Maria, she's one of our newest ones. She's like, I don't need 70 minutes. You know, and she's getting paid an hourly rate. So it's not like she's driven by anything else at that point. She's like, no, I just don't want to sit around and I want to see the patients, you know? Um, so that's an optional thing, but they want to aim for 60 minutes for recare with or without x-rays, with or without referral to specialty. And, you know, you, you never know kind of what conversations you're diving into ahead of time, or sometimes you do, but sometimes you don't, obviously. Um, kids, you know, we give 40 minutes, the goal is 30, but that's still something that like, I give myself wiggle room with that, depending on how old the kid is and how well they're behaved. I sometimes give myself an hour. It just depends. But the, um, the benchmark we try and shoot for is 30 minutes. And NSPT is always to be determined by the provider because as we all know, in an eight millimeter pocket that was referred for LANAP who refused and now just wants to do scaling and perioprotect is not equal to the bloody prophy who you've been, you know, we're now transferring to perio maintenance and treating their active mild disease. You know, it's not, it's not the same thing. They don't need the same amount of time. Um, so that's always to be determined by the provider. So during the first three months, we like the new hygienist to focus on the patient experience, familiarize themselves with software systems such as Dentrix and Dexis and our panoramic and CT, uh, make time to review the SOP for proper sequencing of appointments. So that means if they have a cancellation, if they have downtime, I'm like, get in that SOP, ask everyone questions, pick their brains, but I, I want to see that you're utilizing your time wisely. Like, don't just sit with you know, your hands on your butt and like waiting for someone to tell you what to do. If that's the case, then I probably wouldn't have hired them in the first place, you know, but they, uh, they use their downtime wisely. That's really important. Um, I expect them to review their schedules in advance. So, you know, they start learning how to check their own charts and ledgers and medical alerts and ensuring that their own appointment, appointment cards are loaded correctly and reflects the services to be performed as well as which doctor is needed for an exam. Uh, I expect them to learn how to obtain or update medical history as required at every appointment. So sign and copy into the notes, high quality diagnostics. So, you know, getting familiarized with those radiographs, with the, with the photos, making sure that they're doing oral cancer screenings and iTero scans and comp perio charts. Um, I make sure that they get partnered with their assigned business team advocate and treatment plan coordinators for help with scheduling and checking out and reviewing treatment plans. Um, also, you know, I ask them to print their day sheet and write and sign all their clinical notes by the end of the day. So if there's something that I'm seeing isn't done, I'm following up with them immediately because I want them to know that one, I'm checking, two, it matters, and three, like this is our protocol and it's implemented. Right. Right. And it sounds like, you know, early on, these are all the very basics yeah, of, very basic. of what you're doing. So, yeah. 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 And, and, you know, that's, that's a little tricky too, for the team to remember, like, well, you're a hygienist. Like, why are you, why are we doing this? Because it's not the same. Like hygiene right. isn't hygiene isn't hygiene isn't hygiene. Like it isn't, it's different in each practice. And yep. like, there has to be a time where you're just like, stick with the basics, use your downtime wisely and get as much as you can out of the first three months, because in months three to six, if you don't have those basics, you're going to be in a world of trouble, you know? Right. Well, and we have to be mindful. I mean, like I said, I'm currently training a new hygienist. She is coming from a pedo practice. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, kind of stepping back into the, Oh yeah, I gotta be thinking about perio and assessing perio. Um, but she doesn't know our software. So that's in and of itself, a lot to learn. Um, you know, we do a lot of iTero, we, you know, so there's just, it's, it is getting really comfortable with the basics because as we say all the time, time is the biggest issue. So just, you know, mastering those basics within that time parameter, and then you can start to expand. Right. 
Exactly. So the next phase of this, the three to six month mark is, you know, practical application of what I just talked about while decreasing patient appointment time. So that three month mark, you know, we're going down to the shorter appointment times now. Um, we need increased speed of posting and writing clinical notes, collecting payments, making next visit appointments, you know, reviewing ledgers to ensure that all everything's posted correctly. Um, I want them at this point in time, in this uh, time frame, to have basic knowledge and understanding of the insurance breakdown and benefits, understanding eligibility, limitations of insurance, um, and so on and so forth. Um, and I want them to start broadening their assessment skills to evaluate the need for things like occlusal guard, Vivera, Invisalign, sleep apnea, PROST, um, perio referrals, third molar referrals, you know, start thinking a little bit past just the hygiene realm, like start thinking, okay, big picture for this patient, uh, start operating a little more macro instead of micro. Yes. Yes. So at six months, they should be proficient in all of these areas, right? Six months is a good amount of time to know everyone's name, to know our systems, understand our protocols, have asked a lot of questions and had a lot of training. Um, and then I want them to start becoming at this point introduced and start participating in self-managed teams and partnering with senior hygienists to help department to help our department to reach the goals. So now I'm like, okay, you as an individual have the basics down pat and you've got kind of like the next level down pat or you're starting to. So I want you to like take some initiative and join the Invisalign team or take some initiative and help me form the hygiene agenda because it, it creates that um, their own leadership avenue kind of. And it shows them that they have some ability to take some autonomy and do what they want and make their practice their own within our organization. And that's empowering, you know, so they can start training other team members. They can start, you know, helping other people. And, and that feels really good because then they're the, the pro. Now you're six months in and you're, you're the pro, you're teaching someone else and that's cool. So um, I wanted to give the example of, um, so we hired two hygienists a couple of years ago, kind of out of that deficit position. And then we just hired two recently out of, really purely growth, you know, like I just see the way that, that our department is going. And I was like, all right, this, this is the time when we can expand, not out of desperation and not when we just need to fill a, a void here. Um, but when we're actually ready to just like expand and things are going really well. And, you know, and I see that our practice is expanding and this is direction we're heading. So what I'll say is the major differences in having onboarded the prior two with the latter two is just the speed at which they get everything right. And a lot more, I would say that, you know, the first two, when we were kind of desperate, they, they did a great job, had a great attitude and were kind of just thrown in and had the training on the back end kind of thing. And they did great, you know, for, for given the situation that they had and walked into and the fact that they were taking over for providers who weren't a fit for the practice, you know, they weren't really set up for success in that way. And that wasn't, necessarily fair, you know, air quotes fair. Um, but it was what it was. And I hired them because I knew that I had confidence that the two of them, it was Shay and Jen could, could do that, you know, um, and provided as much support as I could, but it definitely wasn't what it looked like for the most recent two, you know, for Maria and Isadora, they got like the easy integration. They got that a couple full days of shadowing and they got the full, um, uh, hiring experience. Like I sat down and interviewed the heck out of them. Like it, it was a lot more slow and intentional and kind of like they got the full experience of being integrated, what I would consider ideally, you know, and, and I would say that the main 
difference in the outcome is just, you know, the speed at which they kind of have become fully onboarded and the speed at which they've become really high producing, you know, um, Shay and Jen are, are definitely there. They're freaking awesome. Both of them are great. Just took them a little bit longer because they didn't have the same level of pre- preparation that our most recent two had, you know, so just keep that in mind too. Sometimes if it happens more slowly, doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Doesn't mean that they're the wrong fit at all. It could just be like, this is the situation that we're in. We're going to do the best we can with what we have. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, I think there has to be so much grace when we're bringing on new hires because every single thing that we're, they're seeing is, is new mm-hmm. to that practice. I mean, they know how to do the basics of hygiene, but there's so much more to it than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just wanted, I wanted to have some kind of end, end of podcast uh, thoughts here as I, as we've been talking is And I think this applies to whether we're just trying to get the most out of our team or we're onboarding somebody new. I think that gratitude, acknowledgements, empowerment of one another, and making each other right are really where the magic happens. Um, You know, people who feel appreciated tend to do more than expected of them. And when we feel empowered, we gain confidence and we realize we can do more. And I feel like empowerment really drives the desire to learn and grow. Mm-hmm. And there's just some basic examples of this, like in my own story of kind of the frustrations of where we've been at as we're short staffed is, you know, it, it's easy to see somebody doing something that they really should be doing anyway, mm-hmm. and just kind of think, oh, great, you're doing that. But there's something magical in saying, hey, thanks for taking the time to do that and supporting us. Like it's, it's one of those, like you could easily just think you should be doing that and not say a word or just say, what does it take to say, Hey, thanks for doing that. You know, that, that may, that's making our day go better. We really appreciate it. Right. Just doing those small things, just having that gratitude, having that concept of I get to versus I have to, like all of those things are really what kind of fortify and build the team and make people feel like, Hey, what I'm doing is important. What I'm doing matters. And, you know, people are noticing, right. And I just think that's a huge part of getting your team to where you want your team to be is that gratitude and that acknowledgement and that empowerment. I agree. hundred <laughs> percent. You have well, any uh, other thoughts? I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, working with people is difficult in any arena. I think we, we all have good days. We all have bad days. We all have a ton of stuff that's happening at home that we're bringing in with us. And, you know, I just grace, 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 grace. We've got to give each other grace. And if we're, if we're all headed in the same direction and on the same mission, and we've got a lot of grace, I think we're going to make it. And I think we're going to do awesome. We're going to make it. Yes. Don't worry, everyone. We're going to make it. Yes. Well, I am super appreciative of our um, Mighty Network member that had, that uh, requested this topic And on that note, I want to let all of our listeners know, like, hey, if you have things you want to hear about, if there's things, and and we do have some other things on the list. I know some others of you have given us ideas and we've we've got it on our to-do list. But if there's other listeners out there that have some topics that they're interested in, please um, chime in on the Mighty Network. Um, I recently asked, you know, are there any topics you can hop in on that question or you can just make your own post and say, hey, I'd love to hear more about X, Y, and Z. So please, 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 because we want this to be a community of professionals that support each other and, and collaborate. That's what this is all about. Yeah, what she said. And also, um, did you just talk about the summit or no? I didn't, but that's a great, that's a great, uh, 
collaboration. <laughs> the great segue Speaking to of collaboration. coming to at our summit. <laughs> so the next uh, in-person summit is happening June. Is it the third and fourth? It is. Yes. Third and fourth. Nash Vegas. Nash Vegas. You can go to bulletproofsummit.com if you want to register or see what it's all about and order tickets. Our early bird tickets are already sold out. They're selling out about nine months to a year in advance now, which is a great problem to have. But I really want to make sure if you didn't make it years before or you did and you really want to come this time, please make sure that you get on it because they are going rather quickly. So we appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening and we really hope to uh, see on our mighty network and see at the summit. Bye-bye everybody. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Bulletproof Hedging Podcast. We hope you've had as much fun as we have. Don't forget to click subscribe for a lot more where this came from. We appreciate your support and promise to keep the hygiene gems coming. Keep track of upcoming Bulletproof Hygiene events by visiting bulletproofhygiene.com or download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene to stay connected. We want to hear from you.